Chapter 17 Dwyer and Ellis searched the motel end to end without drawing their weapons. They found the room of gore, bone, and brain. They saw the pipes removed and the tub pulled away. They followed the drag mark in the parking lot, indicating that the body nailed to the wall had first been hit by a car on the highway before it had been carried up the stairs and into the room for dissection. They found Baker, or what remained of him, in the basement. It was hard on Dwyer. He'd never seen a man torn in half before. Harder still was the fact that Baker's torso and head kept twitching with the eyes wide open. They found the knife and the broken beer bottles, trying to make sense of it all. Likely, whoever had torn open Baker had also done the dissection two floors up. But the way Baker's body laid in a pile of organs, with the rest of him strewn throughout the closet, doorway, and onto the steps, made it seem as though he'd been eaten. Dwyer thought it looked like the work of a dinosaur, though he kept this possible explanation to himself. Ellis knew there was no reason to think the two crime scenes were entirely separate instances, but the work in the motel room looked like it'd been conducted over hours with attention to detail. Baker just looked like he'd been sawed in half and thrown down the basement steps. Why hadn't he been dissected as well? Ellis had the notion that someone very bad had stayed the night here and done these things. He also had the notion that it could have been more than one person. He didn't want to think about what they were doing with Wendy. The two deputies were crossing the parking lot back to their squad car when a station wagon slowed down along the highway and pulled up the drive of the motel. Ellis nudged Dwyer and pointed to the car, motioning for them to approach for inspection. Dwyer put a hand on his gun and stepped sideways toward the road. Ellis pushed his sunglasses up the bridge of his nose and walked with stiff strides right in front of the car, holding out a hand and signaling for the driver to hit the brakes. The station wagon came to an abrupt halt and the engine shut off. Robert Gorenson, known pervert, tennis enthusiast, and local mathematics teacher climbed out and stood holding open his door. His paisley tie bounced with the breeze, and his gray beard moved as he chewed his lips, realizing he was being stopped by the police in the parking lot of the county whorehouse for the fourth time this month. Good afternoon, he said awkwardly. What brings you fine officers of the law out to an old motel on such a nice day? Ellis rolled his eyes. Dwyer approached the car from the other side, peeking through its windows and looking for anyone else, likely a student hiding in the back. Thankfully, there was nothing but magazines. The magazines were filth, however. One laid open to a fold-out portrait of an erect penis, dripping with ejaculate. Listen, Dwyer said. Don't go up there, Robert. It's a mess. Ellis shot his partner a mean glance. Shut up, 
he barked. This is a crime scene, Mr. Gorenson. You need to move along. Gorenson looked at them dumbly. What? he asked. Is someone hurt? The officers stared at the ground. Neither could answer. I was just on my way to buy water, Gorenson said, changing his tone. I thought this might be a good place to pull off and check my wiper fluid. What do you know about fast stop? Ellis asked. Gorenson flinched, taking a step back. You mean the jerk joint? he asked. Dwyer and Ellis looked at each other. What about it? Gorenson continued. I don't go there anymore. Ellis touched his chin and looked past the road at the sun hanging limply over a field of dirt. He was still bothered by what he'd seen inside the motel. Gorenson sensed something strange in the men's silence and tried getting back in his car. But Ellis took a hurried step forward and pinned him to the hood, grabbing him by the arms and slamming him down. Gorenson fought back, yelling and kicking. Let go of me, he shouted. I haven't done anything. Just let me go. Ellis unholstered his gun and swung it in the air. Shut up, he said, slamming the butt of his gun into Gorenson's back. Dwyer was afraid to join the wrestle, standing back with his hands at his chest. Ellis didn't seem to need any help. Gorenson began to moan, his most common defense. He slacked, giving in and letting his legs buckle beneath him. Together, he and Ellis slid off the hood and landed next to the front wheel. Ellis climbed on top of him, pinning him down by the shoulders. I want to know what I've done, Gorenson whined. You can't just arrest me for pulling up the driveway, goddammit. I'm not arresting you, Ellis said, pulling out his cuffs and locking them over Gorenson's wrists. I'm taking you with us. You're going to tell us how to get there. Where? Gorenson asked. Fast stop, Ellis said. Get in the back of the squad car. You can explain more about it on the way. We don't have a lot of time. Now get up. Gorenson laid twisting on his stomach, writhing like a worm. Dwyer knelt and helped him to his knees as Ellis marched back toward their squad car. Minutes later, the three men were headed east. Dwyer had crammed a handful of peanuts into his mouth and was unable to chew them all at once. Ellis tried the radio a second time, but gave up and shut it off. Gorenson sat cuffed in the back seat, staring out his window, watching the trees pass by while thinking over tomorrow's lesson plan and whether he'd make it home in time to finish his laundry. A perverse scene flashed in his mind, one of a girl lying on her back with her arms above her head. He closed his eyes and tried to crawl into this fantasy to pass the time, but then Ellis shouted at him, banging his fist on the cage between them. Tell me about this place, Ellis said. You said that you've been there before. Dwyer chewed loudly his eyes wide with curiosity. Yeah, Gorenson groaned. I've been there a couple times. There isn't much to tell, really. It's just a place to get off. Ellis 
looked at him in the rearview mirror. It seemed that Robert Gorenson had grown bored of even illegal sexual activity, a sign that there was a darkness beneath his skin very few people could relate to. What do you mean, get off? Dwyer asked with his mouth full. I mean, get off, Gorenson replied, wishing he had a free hand to gesture his point further. He managed to raise an eyebrow enough for Dwyer to understand. It's a newer club, he said. I think some of the guys who got fired from Woody's set it up with stolen equipment. Woody's was an adult superstore just over the state line, a place to buy videos, magazines, and dildos while traveling. It'd been busted dozens of times over the years for prostitution, selling to minors, and various drug-related activities. While the place didn't have the best reputation, it was far enough away from any town to be considered a threat to the community. It was also clearly marked and surrounded by gas stations and chain restaurants, with a huge sign stating its disgraceful purpose clearly. No one ever accidentally wandered into Woody's. Customers just ran to and from the doors, hiding their faces in shame. Ellis and Dwyer had been called there a few times, usually just to arrest a shoplifter. It was a depressing place, a store for lonely, strange desires. What kind of stolen equipment? Ellis asked. I mainly use the booths, Gorenson said, still watching the trees and letting his voice fall into a low tone of confession. They look like the old booths from Woody's. They got the same patched-up holes and graffiti. I figured they were the same ones. Booths? Dwyer asked, confused. Jerk booths, Gorenson said, surprised Dwyer hadn't heard of them. They're supposedly for previewing videos before a purchase, but really they're just a cramped box to jack off in. Why don't you just jerk off at home? Ellis asked. I take it you're not a family man, Gorenson said. Ellis thought about his ex-wife and baby daughter, irritated by the distance he'd put between them. He realized that he was no longer a family man, and frowned. What's that supposed to mean? Dwyer asked, glancing over his shoulder. I don't get much peace and quiet at home, Gorenson said. I got three kids, two dogs, and a wife who never leaves. I live in a two-bedroom house. Where do you suppose the best place to jerk off would be? The roof? Ellis laughed. Gorenson scowled at him, leaning forward in the seat to whisper. You assholes think I'm some kind of pervert just because I got no space to myself. That's enough, Ellis said, rapping his knuckles on the cage wall. You're going off topic, Robert. Stick to the subject. What is fast stop? Gorenson fell back resting his head against his window and closing his eyes. If I tell you what I know, will you please take me back to my car? I'm supposed to be getting groceries. I can't be gone for hours. You're taking us there first, Ellis said. The sooner you start talking, the sooner you get to go home. Gorenson didn't really want to go home, but he did want out of the cuffs. Follow this road, he said nodding his head at the windshield. 
I'll point out the turnoff when we get closer. There's a few miles yet.